Good morning <clears throat> from College Station, Texas, in the hotel room. I've got everything I need. I've got a microphone. It's supposed to be working. By the way, y'all, let me know <laughs> in the comments. I got a microphone. I've got uh, Bassmasters Elite Series on FS1 on the TV. And, uh, oh, I got coffee. Now, it's hotel room coffee. <sighs> well, it'll do in a pinch. Now, here, I'll check him out. So, this is Bassmaster Elite Series. I didn't look in the guide to see, but these are like young kids. Like, one kid had an Auburn shirt on. Look at that water moving, though. You're talking about, I mean, that's some... That trailer motor is working hard against that current. He's fishing these this riprap, catching spotted bass. Look at that. That may be a large mouth. Wherever he is, the water is rolling. But that's when they bite. Is that a spot? That's a spotted bass. That's a nice one. Good morning. Okay, here's what I'm gonna try to do. I can see your comments. I'm sorry for the slow start, y'all. I got distracted by fishing. I can see your comments all in one place, but what I'm going to try to do is see if I can't pull them up here because I could see them better on my computer if I can get them pulled up here and not have to actually look at my phone because uh, it's a little far away. So give me just a sec while I try to pull it up. Um, let's see, upcoming... Yeah, good morning. I'm going to enter that studio. Okay, while I try to pull it up, what I'm going to do with you is, uh, yeah, there we, go. there we go. Let me mute it, and I can see you. Good. All right, I can see all your comments a little better right there. Um, what I'm going to do is talk about the football game just a little bit, and then I'm going to take the audio from this. We don't play till 6 o'clock tonight. I got all day here at the hotel in College Station. So I'm going to take the audio from this and I'll upload it to the better than average podcast because I was busy and lazy this week um, and didn't get it done. And hopefully y'all aren't distracted by the fishing on the screen behind me, but if you are, I'll understand how about that. All right. So what do we have? Sammy said loud and clear. Good morning. Uh, there's Sammy on YouTube, uh, Roshana on Facebook. Uh, Give me a good morning, Dennis. Same to you. Let's see here. Shane says, say Green Mountain Coffee is less than ideal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, less than ideal, but uh, hey, it's free, right? Well, I say it's free. It is for me uh, because I'm traveling with the team, so I don't have to pay for the room or the coffee that's in the room. Whatever this is, ain't bad. It's not High Point Roasters from Dan the Coffee Man. His is better, I promise you that. Um, first of all, welcome in. This will be our better than average, like pregame game day, better than average podcast today. We're doing it live. I'll get it posted. Presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Check them out at mslandbank.com. And anything land-related in North Mississippi, certainly if you're a farmer, whatever kind of farmer, uh, but also recreational property, building a home, anything like that. That's where you go in North Mississippi. Uh, 82 North, certainly, but 
maybe anywhere in that vicinity, go to Mississippi Land Bank. Great folks there at mslandbank.com. And make sure if you don't, if you haven't given them a chance, give Farm Bureau Insurance an opportunity with your insurance. Uh, Auto, home, and life, our family has, has always been with Farm Bureau Insurance. And I speak very highly of them from personal experience. They also support everything I do. They support every high school game you go to, every college game, state, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, everywhere you go, what do you see? Mississippi Farm Bureau insurance agents, local ones supporting those local teams. So you ought to support them. Yeah, all right. So uh, Cynthia on Facebook, good morning, Matt. Hope you and our dogs have a wonderful day. Yeah, me too. I hope we have a good day. And they may have a chance to. I'm going to give you some stats you may find interesting. Uh, Gail, good morning to you. Sent me that football emoji. I'll tell you this. I wish I could flip the camera around. Maybe I can do that. Um, so I'll tell you this. The sun does not come up in College Station, Texas, as early as it does in Tupelo, Mississippi, first of all. I don't know what time it is. It's 7.30. It just got light a little bit out there. But it is. we are so socked in in fog out there. You cannot see your hand in front of your face outside right now. It's so foggy here this morning. Uh, Gabe, Hale State, good morning to you. Brenda, a good morning in the Hale State, back at you. Joy, good morning to you as well. What Mike say here, they may not have electricity in College Station. We got it. We got it. Bill said good morning. Uh, John likes the shirt. Yeah, I had coffee stains in it, and I washed them out of it here in the hotel room last night. I had spilled coffee on it when I wore it the other day. Uh, Charlie gave me a good morning. Danny, uh, Ethel, Dennis uh, is in Mobile, Alabama. Got the sun out there. All right, good good deal. So let me uh, give you a couple of thoughts. So you're playing at 6 p.m. And uh, for for me, like here in the hotel, I can tell you at 6, so an hour ago, about 6.30, an hour ago, um, I go walking around. I was looking for maybe a place to just sit outside and do this if I could find an electrical outlet. But number one, it was too dark. Sun went out yet. And number two, out by the pool where there's lots of places to sit, uh, they had speakers out there playing loud music. <laughs> you know, it's just like this ambient ho- hotel meal. They got it plugged into a radio station or something. So um, that was not going to work. Um, so I just came back up here to the room. But <clears throat> there was uh, nobody stirring around. Not one coach, not one player, no nothing. So I presume, I don't know this, but most likely right about now, 7.30 down in the lobby, maybe 8 o'clock for a 6 p.m. game might be when they kind of get them up and get to stirring around and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't a soul down there. 6.30 might as well have been 4.30 uh, from the looks of it. And I've been up at least since 4.30. Um, and, and there is right next to our hotel, there's lots of places to eat and stuff. But on the same side of the road as us, right next to us, there's this eating joint that is a breakfast place. And Neil, normally I eat breakfast really early, and Neil wants to go to breakfast about nine because we're not sure when we're going to get food in the press box because we're going so early with the manager's trainer's bus, which is like maybe four or five hours before kickoff. So I'll sit right here and watch like the first 
hour or so of the Arkansas and Georgia game. And then uh, we'll get on a bus, go to the stadium and watch the rest of it and pretty much all of Alabama and Ole Miss from the press box over there. And then hang out and just kill time, get ready. Of course, we will. Everybody else will be working. Managers, trainers will be working all day long, getting the field in the locker room ready. Uh, Jonathan Ashley, our engineer for radio, will be getting the radio booth ready. You know, So we'll kind of be there just as helping hands if they need us to tote something. Otherwise, we'll get out of the way. And that's how that'll work. Uh, good morning, Clay. What it do? Gator man. Hey, Gator man. We put a first name with a, a nickname. Uh, somebody said, good morning. <laughs> Back at you. Good morning. Uh, Greg, good morning to you. Uh, somebody's awake. Nicholas is awake. Look at that. Hail States. Um, Ace said, howdy. And looking forward to the ball game. I am too. I'll make folks here looking forward to it. It's always interesting, you know, this – team here a&m they lose their first game last week to a uh, to arkansas i was watching some of that this morning here early and you know you always wonder how it affects different fan bases um a&m came into the year really positive really high on their team they've recruited really well they have i mean you know you look at recruiting classes uh, for whatever that's worth they've recruited really really well especially the last couple of years so they came in excited Big time running backs, Spiller and A Chain, and uh, you know the the question mark for them they had inexperience at quarterback, and so Haynes King got hurt in that um, Colorado game, and in comes the other guy, and he throws it pretty well, but they just they haven't been you know consistent. They haven't been all that explosive on offense. They've had some explosive plays, but they haven't been you know, all that consistent. And so, I don't know. You you wonder a loss like that one, it's neutral side, but it's a home game. I just think my impression of A&M in the past is, you know, they, their, their fan base does a pretty good job. They got such a big stadium. We've been over here before when it wasn't slam full, but still, you know, even when it's not slam full, they got 80,000 people in there, right? So, support is not an issue for them. And they seem like a fan base that does a pretty good job of, you know, they'll flush the week before and then get ready to go and support them this week. Um, and it's early in the year, so they're still excited. So I expect a good crowd. Night game helps them also uh, to have that crowd. And so, you know, be first true road game for State. Then I know they played at Memphis, but it's just not even in the same um, category. Playing at Memphis in front of that crowd versus – playing here in front of this one. Um, so that's one thing, you know, be interesting to kind of see how state responds to the, to the atmosphere. And I've heard a lot of people say, a lot of people have said to me, you know, state seems like they're really close. Like they're really close to uh, making a step and, and maybe putting some ball games together. I was texting with a friend of mine yesterday and that was kind of the thought is, you know, it's, it's not a matter of do they have some things they can do. It's not a matter of do they have guys who can throw and catch and run, block and tackle and all that. It's just a matter of it, when is State going to go out here and just solidly do it for four quarters. They kind of did it against NC State, 
and and you saw that. So they kind of had a complete game, a fairly clean game. They still they still had some penalties, but didn't turn it over. Were pretty consistent in what they were doing, and just carried it across four quarters. And what the game looked like, really, the game was almost never in question with NC State. And NC State's a pretty good football team. You know, they got a win over Clemson last week. And I would actually compare, in in a lot of ways, compare NC State with LSU. Um, and you saw last week a very winnable game, but when you don't just kind of go out and, and are able to just do what you do from start to finish and, and let the game play out and let the other team, let them beat themselves and you don't beat yourself. When you don't do that, you see what happens. You can lose a close game really easily. So, um, yeah, it was just some overall thoughts kind of looking uh, at tonight's game. Again, I got a few stats here I pulled that I think you'll find interesting in the matchup, and um, I'll give you those. Uh, a few more comments here on the live stream on YouTube. Mike says, looking forward to wrapping the game today in maroon and white. It's going to get wrapped in maroon and white one way or the other, isn't it, when these, these two teams play? Uh, hello, Angel and Jeremy. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube as well. Ace said, us old ags have been fans of Mississippi State since Jackie Sherrill went to Starkville. Yeah, I always think about Coach Sherrill when we come out here, and I, I can't remember. I don't think it was the last time we were here. Seems like it was – that'd be two trips ago, right? So we came here in 2019, and uh, so maybe it was 17 when we were here and we actually interviewed Coach Cheryl in the in the pregame. He came up to the booth with us. It was good to see him. And one year before that, so it might have been 15. No, it wasn't 15, was it? Shoot, I guess it was 2015. Yeah, when we came here in 15, that was Dak's senior year. I don't even remember how that game went. But uh, there was an event. There was a 12th man event the night before. When we got in time, and Coach Cheryl came to the hotel and picked a couple of us up. We got to go with him. And, you know, they had, you know, the, a, a big dinner and people speaking, and they were honoring the 12th man and doing – and Coach Cheryl got up to speak, and we were able to sit there with him. And we were at the table with Peggy and kind of see all that. It was at the stadium. They had these big ballrooms, like, inside the stadium and stuff back then. Uh, so that was neat. Neat to ride around. That's been several years ago, but it was neat to ride around in College Station with Coach Cheryl in his car and him driving and him telling us stories and stuff. And that was a neat experience, uh, Certainly think about him when we come here. Sam said, uh, hey, Matt, Hale State, back at you, Sam. Thomas, good morning from Reno, Nevada. What kind of weather y'all having in Reno? We don't know what kind of weather we're having here. You can't see the weather. It's so foggy. I mean, barely see your hand in front of your face outside right now. Mike says, I like Texas A&M because my wife graduated from a vet school at Mississippi State, and Texas A&M's vet school is almost like a sister program in a lot of ways. Oops. They even have a dog water bowl. What? I missed the last part of that, Mike. I might have to find the follow-up. Uh, we are very fond of the vet school at Mississippi State, and Beth's on a first-name basis, seems like, with all of them. Okay, they even have a dog water bowl that the vet school used as a trophy. Oh, for the Texas A&M MSU game. I didn't know that. Really? So one school gets the dog bowl? Depends who wins the game. 
that's pretty cool. That's a neat story. I didn't even know that. I'd like to look that up and find the details of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, A said it was uh, disappointing, but not shocking considering the young line backup quarterback. Besides, hats off to Arkansas. They earned the victory. Talking about last week's game. Yeah, I was. I went back and, and was watching some of that. Uh, didn't get to see it live last week. And, you know, Arkansas really exploded early offensively. They were up 17-0, it seemed like, just like that. And then, of course, the quarterback got a little banged up and things changed on him. And it was, yeah, it was almost, you know, watching it was like A&M, even though they'd seen it on film, what Arkansas's offense did to Texas. And I mean, Arkansas's offensive line, they block so well. And they're so sound and always hitting the right people. They don't make a bunch of mistakes. And so they just operate it, you know. Makes a quarterback comfortable. Their offensive line is really good. They're veteran. They're old, bunch of old guys who've been through it, and they're really playing well. And it's almost like, you know, even though A and M saw what they did on film against Texas and all, they still were a little, I think, shocked by how fast Arkansas could go when they wanted to and how well they blocked. You know, like it just took them a little while to get their feet under. But once they did, they started getting off the field some and. But I just think Arkansas was a better team, you know, and it just speaks to how important it is to have older guys, veteran guys throughout your team. Uh, but at, you know, key positions, center and pass rusher and left tackle and right tackle and all that stuff. Mike says, uh, way cooler than LSU's vet school. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Ace is also a big fan of Coach Leach, Coach and the Man. I'll tell you this, Ace, this was interesting last night downstairs in the lobby. Um, there was uh, myself and three others. Uh, so me, Neil Price, Jonathan Ashley, our engineer, Hudson from Learfield, us four, we getting an Uber, going to eat dinner. And we went to this Mexican food place. Had a hard time trying to say it over and over again last night. It was me, Pueblito. Is that right? Me, Pueblito. Look at my Twitter feed. It's on there. I'll tell you, it was good. It was really good. Mexican food, Tex-Mex, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, see, this is collegiate bass fishing. See, that team's from Auburn. Tucker Smith, Logan Parks from Auburn. I don't know where they are, but they're Auburn. Okay, anyway, back to my story. So we're sitting down there. It was really good, by the way. But before we left, we're waiting on the Uber. And there was this guy sitting in the lobby with his feet propped up, cowboy boots on, Wranglers, cowboy hat, sitting in the lobby of the hotel down here. And so I struck up a conversation with him, and turns out he is with Texas Farm Bureau. He's in town. He's from Amarillo. He's a big Texas Tech fan, uh, which isn't too far from Lubbock. And they're in town because Farm Texas Farm Bureau is like sponsoring the the coin toss today for the ball game, and they got a guy in their company that gets to go out there and do the coin toss. So that's what he's in town for. But he talking to him, he's a Texas Tech fan. And he told me he said, "Yeah, it's still to this day split down the middle. You got some Texas Tech fans that don't like Mike Leach either for one thing or the other, or because he left." And you got the other half of the Texas Tech fan base that still wishes he was there. Um, and, and kind of talking through all that was pretty interesting with him. He explained it. And you could see it. He was there for nine years, I think, at, at Tech. 
something like that. Mama's watching on Facebook says, have a great day. Good morning to you, Mama, back in Wetumpka, Alabama. Uh, Mike says, I don't understand why we play clock control when we are down. We have so much time of possession, don't really score until the fourth quarter. Yeah, they don't, but I can tell you the plan is not to wait until the fourth quarter to score. It's just that that's what has happened. Uh, we got a prediction in here from Junior. I think Junior made this uh, on the radio show. Dogs 24 to 10. There you go. Brian said maple and blueberry sausage sure is good this morning. I wish I was having it with you. I'm out of pocket, so I'm not eating country please and sausage this morning like I normally do for breakfast, and I'm not drinking High Point Roasters coffee this morning for breakfast like I normally do. Yeah, and Paul pointing it out, the, the collegiate, uh, the college Bassmaster on in the background. I was, I was watching the – it said Bassmaster Elite Series on the guide on FS1, so I, I usually watch that on Saturday mornings. And real quick, Jeremy said thoughts on the Ole Miss-Alabama game. I think it'll be a high-scoring shootout. I kind of expect Alabama to win it. It's in Tuscaloosa. You know, you just figure they should, but I still expect a high-scoring shootout type of game. When you get those, it can really go either way. It's kind of what I think. Okay, now let me let me get to some of this here for you, some of these stats. All right, uh, the Southeastern Conference – sends out an email to media folks every, um, well, once a week during football season. I, th I think it maybe comes on Tuesdays, but uh, maybe Mondays. But anyway, early in the week, every week during football. And it's called, you know, This Week in SEC Football. And it's got several different packets of information, and it's a really neat thing they do. It makes it easy to get a hold of game capsules and the matchups and, and, and different stats. They send out the updated stats. They used to send out freshman-only stats. That's what it said, you know, freshmen. And we're not getting those this year. And I wonder if it's because of the COVID thing. Like, nobody knows what eligibility anybody is because last year everybody got a free year. So, you know, you go freshman stats. Well, technically there's a lot of second-year players that are, again, technically freshmen if they choose to use that at some point down the road. So maybe that's why. But, but anyway, we're not getting those. But one thing they are sending out that we used to not get is a full, long list of um, comparisons. Okay, so so it's like 30-something pages on a PDF, and it's a direct statistical comparison in all these categories of these two teams playing each other for every game. So it's like <clears throat> four pages of stats, comparisons from Alabama and Ole Miss, and then you go down, and then it's – Another four pages of Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and then Missouri and Tennessee. And so instead of having to scroll through all the overall stats to see, like, where is Texas A&M in rush defense and where is Mississippi State in rush defense, instead of looking, they just got it all right there for you in, in arranged in terms of matchups. Okay. So this is obviously not four pages of it, but it's a few things I pulled out of those four pages that I thought were pretty interesting. How about, I mean, that's the longest. I just did, I don't know how many minutes. It's the longest lead in ever to get to some stats. And live from college station on the better than average podcast presented by Mississippi land bank and by farm bureau insurance. All right. So 
First one, third down conversion. You're talking about offense, your offensive third down conversion rate. Check this out. State converting 46%. Texas A&M converting 42%. They're really close. That is good enough for seventh and eighth in the conference, respectively. So third down conversion, State's offense is seventh in the SEC, A&M's is eighth. Um, now, that's in the SEC. You haven't gotten to the meat of the SEC schedule yet, lots of non-conference stuff. So all the SEC schools are ranked you know, pretty well compared to the rest of the country in third down conversion. That 46% conversion rate has State ranked 33rd in the country in third down conversions. You see, I mean, that's not bad. You ranking 130 teams be 33rd, you know, that's not bad. At 42%, Texas A&M is 58th in the country in third down conversions. Now, what about third down defense? Okay, how often are defenses, how often are these two defenses getting off the field? Third down percentage on defense. State is 14th in the country and third in the SEC, only allowing 28% conversions on third down. A&M's defense is 39th in the country and fifth in the SEC. They give up conversions on 32%. Um, they played a good offense in Arkansas. State's played in Several good offenses. So, in other words, State has been a much better third-down defense, actually, than Texas A&M has. And I say much better, but to me, that, that is pretty significant. You're talking about four percentage points difference, and State is in the top 15 in the country, and a and is just barely in the top 40 at this, pin, at this point. Okay, so file that away. You know, completion percentage, you know, Goodwell State is going to have an advantage there on offense, but the, the contrast is pretty drastic, and this is what I was going to show you. So, for comparison, you know, State's offense, it is what it is, and they are third in the country and first in the SEC in completion percentage. State is at 75%. Well, A&M's offense, out of 130 teams, is 105th. And they are 13th out of 14 in the SEC because they're only completing 55%. And, you know, that's one thing I watched. Uh, watched them against New Mexico, watched them against Arkansas. The kid that's playing QB now for AM after the injury, their starter in the Colorado game, he actually really can throw the ball now. I mean, he's got a big arm. He, he can let it fly. Big, strong arm. And there's some throws that look good, but they've just they hadn't had some continuity in there. And that's what you would expect. I mean, you'd expect he's a talented kid, but there's a reason he didn't earn the job in the first place. And it could just be a consistency thing. All right, penalties. These are two pretty penalized football teams, all right? Um Ranking 130 teams, uh, A&M is 105th, and State is 123rd out of 130 teams in terms of penalty. They've been penalized a lot. Uh, 
Um, A&M's the ninth most penalized in the SEC. State is the 13th most penalized out of 14 teams in the SEC. 36 penalties this year against State, 30 against A&M. Two pretty penalized football teams comparatively. So we may see some flags if that holds up. All right, here's another one that jumped out at me. You know, we know how explosive State can be in the kick return game because of uh, because of uh, Tulu Griffin. Hey, are we still streaming? By the way, I hadn't, I didn't see a comment there. Um, you know, if 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 it hangs up, if it starts hanging up, would y'all let me know? Hopefully not. All right, uh, back to the stats here. You're very explosive in the kick return game if you kick it to Tulu Griffin. I'll check this out. Texas A&M in kick return coverage, kick return defense. Texas A&M is 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC. They average giving up 25 yards per kick return. They are 105th out of 130 teams in kick return coverage, kick return defense. So what I don't know, I haven't gone and watched all their stuff yet. What I don't know is do they not have a guy that can kick it in the end zone? That I don't know. Um, But I would say if they haven't, in, in the times that teams have had an opportunity to return it, they've gotten yards. That probably doesn't bode well. For AM. And they're going to make some sort of effort to keep from kicking it to Tulu Griffin today. I bet we look for that. All right, here's another big difference in the two teams and the number of interceptions thrown, passes that they've had intercepted. State has only had two passes this year intercepted for as many times they throw it. That's really good. All right. That is that ranks 28th in the country out of 130 teams, fifth in the SEC. A&M has thrown six interceptions. That's 118th out of 130 teams, and they are last in the SEC. It means they've thrown the more interceptions than anybody else in the SEC. And Forbes is going to play for State, so that's something to, to notice right there. All right, there's a few more now. I'm about halfway through this list. You can see it's not that long, but these, there's a reason I pulled these out. I think you're gonna; these are the ones that you're going to find interesting that might, as a State fan, give you some hope that you might be able to go in here and play with these guys, maybe get a win. All right, you look at passing offense. Obviously, we know about State. They're number, number one passing offense in the SEC, sixth nationally, 363 yards a game. A&M in the air. They are eighth in the SEC. They are 72nd nationally at 227 a game. More balanced. They hand it off more. Their two best players on offense, you might argue, are their two running backs. And so that's a reason for that. So it's passing offense. But here's a kicker. Here's, here's the matchup. Passing defense. Texas A&M is fourth in the country, fourth nationally, and second in the SEC giving up only 119 yards a ball game. So, and and what I've watched is they've played a lot of man-to-man coverage against these other teams they've played, including Arkansas, including Colorado, New Mexico. 
They've played a lot of man-to-man coverage. As we know, State has not seen hardly any man-to-man coverage since LSU last year. So I'm really curious what A&M has done to these other teams and playing a lot of man-to-man and being very aggressive has worked for them. They are the fourth best passing defense in the country out of 130 teams. Are they going to go in there and play man-to-man against State? Or are they going to – because they're they're multiple in the front. Sometimes you'll see a four-man front. Sometimes it's three. Sometimes it's three with one walk down. Are they going to do what everybody else has done, and that is rush three every now and then four and go soft and two safeties and drop eight and play cover four and play four deep and all the cloud stuff. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what they're going to stick with. <clears throat> the other side of that, State's pass defense. State has been – and statistically is a very good run defense, they statistically are a very bad pass defense, and it's because of all the explosive plays they've given up in their man-to-man stuff. So State's passing defense is 99th out of 130. They are last in the SEC, 14th, giving up 252 passing yards a game. But on the rushing side, rushing defense – State's only allowing 70 rush yards a ball game. So here's another matchup on matchup. State's only allowing 70 rushing yards a game. That's eighth in the country out of 130 teams. It's second in the SEC, I guess second only to Georgia. And you're playing a team in A&M that their two best guys who they want the football in their hands are their running backs. So they want to run a ball. State does not give up rush yards. State wants to throw the ball. A&M does not give up pass yards. I mean, it's a – it's a Jack Nicholson movie. Something's got to give. Uh, rushing offense. So to that point, Texas A&M averaging 168 rushing yards a ball game. They are 57th in the country. 57th in the country and eighth in the SEC. State rushing offense. They are 129th in the country out of 130 teams and last in the SEC at 62 rushing yards a ball game. Now, red zone defense. Red zone defense. A&M has been really good. We're talking inside the 20, going at them inside the 20-yard line. They are third in the country and first in the SEC. They've only allowed scoring at 50% of the time in the red zone. State red zone defense is second in the SEC and 17th nationally, only allowing scoring in the red zone at 66% of the time. So you've got the number one and number two red zone defenses in the SEC playing each other today, A&M and State. Now, all these stats, again, these are through four games, and – Either team has only played one SEC opponent. This is not like we're going over stats after eight weeks and a long stretch of playing in your own conference. And not all non-conference schedules are different. I would actually tell you State's played a tougher schedule than A&M has. I think anybody would agree with that. To this point, you know, through four games. Red zone offense stayed a little bit of an advantage for them. Uh, State's offense is 60th. They're right in the middle of the pack, a little better than halfway. 60th in the country and 10th in the SEC. They've scored 87% of the time in the red zone. But look at A&M's red zone offense. 
117th in the country, last in the SEC. They score in the red zone 66% of the time. And that's pretty significant. State's got a good red zone defense. A&M has been bad in the red zone offensively. You would not expect that with those running backs. It's got to have something to do with the lack of continuity at quarterback. But that jumps out to me because that's not something that you can, you know, being good in the red zone is not something you just automatically go and become consistent at after a week of practice because that's the hardest place to score. It's the hardest place to throw the ball. And you can draw up some plays but to, uh, week to week, but still that's, that's not good for them. And then uh, just scoring, okay, scoring offense and defense, just so you know those numbers. Um, there's one big advantage for A&M because that's what matters, right? It's like all these stats, they're interesting. They're important to know. They're good to know. Helps you kind of look at the matchup. But ultimately, the one that matters is the scoreboard. It's just like Mike Leach said the other day. He goes, the only thing we're good at right now is stats. You know, the one stat that matters is the scoreboard. So scoring offense, State has been slightly better at 28.2 points a game. A&M scoring offense is 23.8. So State's five points better, five average points better in, in scoring offense. State is 73rd in the country. They are 98th. State is 11th in the SEC. They are 12th. So, I mean, it's relatively close, but you get the point. But scoring defense, there's a big difference. Uh, a lot of it's because of who they play, but A&M has the um, – they are second in the country and second in the SEC in scoring defense. They're giving up nine points a ball game. Teams have moved it, but because of their red zone uh, defense <clears> – <throat> which is number one in the SEC, they are not giving up points. Teams have been able to move it, get in the red zone, and then not score. So they're giving up only nine points a ball game, second in the country, second in the SEC. State's scoring defense has given up 25 points a ball game. That's 80th in the country and 12th out of 14 in the SEC. So there's that right there, the fact that there's – they're so similar in some areas statistically on defense, whether it's total defense, whether it's, you know, pass. They're different in pass defense, but run defense, State's been much better in run defense. But the fact that the points are there, that's kind of what it speaks to those explosive plays you've given up. And instead of making it hard, you know, you've gotten a lot of punts and you've gotten some turnovers. But when teams have scored, it's been too easy. Um, and so there's a big advantage for AM in this ballgame in that they got a defense that's just not giving up points. And States has played well, but has given up points. All right. So there's a look at those. Um, it is 8 a.m. now. I need to get the live stream over with so I can download the audio and get it uploaded to the podcast. Bo, that's the name of the podcast. If you're asking there on YouTube, who is Better Than Average logo, that uh, Better Than Average is a podcast. And I didn't get any posted this week. And so this will have to suffice until we can break the game down afterwards on Sunday, which will be tomorrow. So pretty short shelf life uh, for this one. Ryan said earlier, he said, Matt, make sure you're in your seat to start the game today. I saw you got in a little trouble with Uncle Neil last week. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I was not there for the. You were watching on the live stream, huh? I, look, I'm. Hey, hats off to you, Ryan. Apparently, you were watching the pre because that was pregame. That wasn't even kickoff, was it? That was the pregame show that started. Our portion started 30 minutes before kick, and I came walking in there late, and I said, "I'm sorry." I was talking to one of the highway patrolmen who was right outside the door of our radio booth. Who, as I was walking in, he said, "Hey, I got a question." And his question, I'm trying to think, what was it? It was a football question. Um, it was something about the run-pass ratio and running the ball on short yard situations. And we get into this conversation, and it took a little while. And when I got in there, I was like, "Oh, we've we've already started." Uh, how about that? Diane said, yeah, if you didn't know Mississippi State's record, listen, the stats, we should be undefeated. Well, again, uh, Diane, that's exactly right. It's like what Coach Lee said. He said, right now, the only thing we're good at is stats. So you got to score a little more. You got to come up with a few more stops on defense. And the biggest thing, I think, too, is these, these drive-stopping mistakes, false starts, holdings that get you in second and 20, and then all the, the lack of special teams help, you know, missed field goals. State has the worst net punting average in the SEC, which net punting includes the returns. Like last week, you get a 50-something yard punt. Two guys go hit the guy and don't tackle him, turn him loose, and he goes and runs for 30 yards. So your net punt was 20-something, right? So State is last in the SEC in net punting. You've missed some field goals. Of course, Reese has been hurt, but, you know, he missed the one attempt he got early in the year. Um, the penalty on special teams that like last week that gave them a free first down after you had them stopped and a chance to go win the game, very crucial mistake. So in special teams, they got a long way to go at being solid and just consistent and just go do your job and don't, don't hand the team any other major advantage because you're not doing your job on special teams. So that's a big part of it also. And, and all that stuff on the road will all be magnified. I can tell you, you've seen it. But having played it, you, you think little mistakes hurt you at home? Go do them on the road and watch what happens, you know. So, and Ryan said uh, on Facebook, he said, I don't think we've been beat yet. We are simply beating ourselves. Let me get one in here from Ralph who says Georgia and Arkansas will be the nail biter for sure. Yeah, because right now we don't know who's playing quarterback in that game a little bit. They're going to kick off in three hours, less than three hours. And, and as I understand it, what we don't know if JT Daniels is playing, and we don't know if KJ Jefferson is playing. We just don't know yet. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in uh, to this live version of the Better Than Average podcast, live from my hotel room in College Station, Texas. I got to kill some time, and y'all have absolutely helped me do it in an entertaining, productive way. <laughs> um, thanks to Mississippi Land Bank for supporting these, and to Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. And I'll see y'all on the next one.